Welcome to Massive Late Fee. And now your hosts, Mark and Carol. Well, hello everyone. Welcome back to Massive Late Fee. My name is Mark. With me, as always, is my girlfriend, Carol. How are you doing today, Carol? Hey, what's up? How much has been a good week here? It is October 26th, 1996. We're streaming through October here. Halloween's coming. That's right. I'm excited. Yeah, there's only only five days left to Halloween. This will be our last show before Halloween. <laughs> so, happy Halloween, everybody. Maybe we'll do a special little Halloween episode for you guys. You know what else it is, though? It's Mark's birthday is coming. Oh, yeah. His, his birthday is two days before Halloween, so That's everybody true. needs to wish Mark a happy birthday. Yeah. <laughs> Send those uh, birthday cards in the mail. Well, happy birthday to the O.J. Simpson trial. Really? Really? One year after the trial, Simpson still fascinates Paul is on. Fascinates, frightens, you know, whatever. Oh, it is the spooky season, right? (laughs) And I'm not just talking about tax time. Shut up. Uh, CBS News Extra, OJ in black and white. What about red? Uh, The twisted television magic is still there. The weird ogling the car crash fascination. Even now, a year after jurors acquitted OJ Simpson of the murder of Nicole Brown Simpson and Ronald Goldman. OJ, the TV story, keeps right on trucking along. This isn't just because of the pending Simpson civil trial in Santa Monica, from which TV cameras are banned. No, America is still wildly obsessed with puzzling out what really happened to Ron and Nicole and OJ in June 1994. See, Uh, I think they should all just fucking shut up about it already. He murdered them. That's what happened. O.J. Simpson got pissed off because he was obsessed with his ex-wife, took a knife, and killed both of them. There you go. I figured it out. And yet, our legal system didn't. Well, you know, DNA evidence is still pretty new. Even now, it's still kind of hard to wrap your head around and everything. But I wonder if, you know, in the coming years if it will become more, just kind of more accepted. Yeah, that would be that would be helpful, I think. I mean, they found his blood at the scene. And they found her blood, I think, at his, in his fucking car. I don't know. It's just, yeah. I don't, I don't get it. But, but another thing I don't get is an unlikely buckaroo relishes her role on TV. Buckaroo? The, yeah, we're talking about Dr. Quinn, medicine woman, starring Jane... Seymour. But what's a buckaroo? It's like a cow cowgirl. What the fuck? I'd like to see more of her. Have you ever heard this term before? Yeah, I've heard buckaroo. Buckaroo Banzai. What? It's a movie in the 80s. Yeah, I've heard buckaroo before. Well, apparently I just live under a rock. It's just you have to be old. You have to be an old person. Oh, okay. So this is a grandpa thing. I gotcha. Yeah, it's exactly. It all makes sense now. Grandpa, I wonder if Grandpa is uh, ogling Jane Seymour. <laughs> right? Jeff Foxworthy's Grandpa? Dr. Quinn Messon. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> A grizzled old-timer drives his buckboard down the dusty street. 
sickly groomed gambler ambles by on his Pelomino, casing the town for suckers. A luckless prospector plods aimlessly along. Into this untamped setting comes Jane Seymour, trim in a frontier dress, uh, innately dignified, and a beauty that would stop a stagecoach. <laughs> what is Jane Seymour, the lovely English star of Somewhere in Time? Remember that uh, show with with Christopher Reeves? No. Yeah, it was filmed on Mackinac Island. Okay. I'm just saying, it was filmed in our home state. That's cool. I still don't remember watching the show. Anyway, and t- it was a t- it was a movie. And TV's oh. <laughs> worn remembrance doing in the Wild West. What is she doing? Doctor Quinn first appeared on CBS in 1993. What do you think? A uh, decent what, show. What she? Yeah, it's fine. What she do? What's she doing there? She is a beautiful woman, but she's very pretty. What is she doing? Being Doctor Quinn. That's the question that they want to ask. I, I don't really understand the question. Why did they cast Jane Seymour, dignified English actress, to be in the Wild West? And why does it work so damn well? Um, I don't know. Is it a case of like opposites attract right. kind of thing? I think that's what it is. I think it's a case of opposites attract, Carol. Okay, cool. I got it. What do I win? <laughs> You, you figured it out. Woo-hoo. I was gonna, I was gonna stretch that bit a little farther, but you figured it out. Last piece of news: the trickster illusionists Penn and Teller are going to appear at the Macomb Center for the Performing Arts. Seriously? Yeah, they they were on that show you like, yeah. Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Well, we should see them at the Macomb Center. Do you really have an interest in the long ponytail? The silentness. Um, yeah. Okay. But not in the creepy way you make it sound. Well, what about the 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 larger than life personality of Teller and the silent strongman of Penn? Another example of opposites attract. It's the other way around, actually. That is true. There's a Vegas night bar and pizza uh, available. There you go. Seven p.m. till midnight on November second at Saint Basil Byzantine Catholic Church Hall. Really? Between Mound and Ryan on Metro Parkway. That's 16 Mile Road for all of those that don't know that. Mission's $2. There's another Vegas night at St. Augustine. They like Vegas. They're Catholics. Catholics love gambling. <laughs> That's in Gross Point Farms. Free admission for the, the uh, you know, the... the Rich people out in Cross Point Farms. Do the do, do the churches keep the money from the Vegas party or whatever? Like, of course. So, but isn't it illegal to gamble? No, it's like a charity type thing. So they they get around it because you don't you don't actually win money; you win prizes. Okay. So you the chips have no cash value. Actually, uh, actually, I think most of them are chips. Not checks. There's a difference between chips and checks. What, what's the difference? It sounds like... Uh... Checks say their value on them. Okay. So if you get like a, you know, a, a casino chip or mm-hmm. check from, from Vegas and it says $5 on it, uh-huh. you know, Tropicana Casino, $5, that's a check. Okay. Checks say how much they're worth. Chips are just blank 
and they have a value assigned to them. Hmm. So if you go and play roulette, there's chips there because they're just different colors. There's no value on them. And then you say, I want them to be worth whatever. I want them to be worth a dollar. I want them to be worth $5, $100, whatever. Interesting. And then the dealer or the croupier marks how much it is. That, I'm sorry. I'm just. I'm thinking about like. Okay. Like I used to play the game Vegas Stakes. Yes, that's and a good. everybody got Vegas their own color chips, mm-hmm. and I never understood that that was like whatever you wanted it to be. Yeah, huh. that's right. Fascinating, isn't it? It is. I just thought everybody picked different amounts they wanted to buy. <laughs> you know what else is fascinating, Carol? Hmm. We might have Vegas-style casinos here soon, too, because that, that thing passed. Hell yeah. So, uh, it's going to take a couple of years, I guess, to build them out, but do you we'll think it, Do you think it'll make Detroit as classy as Vegas? Oh, classier, Carol. Because <laughs> that would be kind of cool. Vegas is getting a little seedy, kind of. Yeah? Well, it's... So, there's two parts. <clears throat> there's, like, the seedy part, and then there's the family-friendly circus-circus part. Okay. Well, I mean, that still sounds better than Detroit. Well, yeah. Because we don't have any kind of family-friendly circus circus. They, they really need to do something with the riverfront because yeah. that's it's gorgeous riverfront. And if you go up to Canada, if you go over to Windsor, same river, same <laughs> riverfront, but it looks gorgeous over there because yeah. they do something really nice with it. All we can do is sadly look across the river at... Uh, Windsor, yeah. Yeah. Wish. Anyway, speaking of wishing, I wish this episode of the TV show we watched was better. Oh my god, it was not good. Yeah, we watched Jeff Foxworthy. The Jeff Foxworthy show, The Gift, and his dad, the sergeant from the fucking, what's it called, Police Academy movies. Yeah, apparently he's a gift. G.W. Bailey. (laughs) And he's got the gift. You know what else he was on? Uh Huh? He was on St. Elsewhere. he was your favorite but yeah so he had he had the gift of of what the gift of being uh sexy to every woman in town the gift of being able to charm a lady's pants off without her even knowing he's doing it until it was done wow (laughs) it does sound like a hell of a gift doesn't it Jeff Fox really is like yeah he's got some fucking gift (laughs) he seems traumatized by the whole thing yeah, well, what happened, you his, be? what happened to his mom? Well, they probably got divorced. I think his mom's just dead. I don't think so. I think his mom's dead. Why? Why? Why do you think his because mom's dead? Because she didn't appear in the episode. They didn't mention her in the episode. He talked about how he had to grow up watching his dad fuck woman after woman and, you know, call him mom or whatever. And it just seems like the mom died. That seems like one of those classic situations where he's like, oh, it's the love of my life and but then I lost her, so now I'm just going to have sex with anybody. Yeah. 
I'm Maybe. Gonna, I'm just going to look for any hole to fill. I just have a feeling that uh, he cheated on her because he's a uh, giant, you know, like man whore, and uh, that's why they're not together. That's what they call him. No, a mimbo. A mimbo. A male bimbo. Interesting. Mimbo. He didn't seem stupid. He just seemed that's slutty. That's true. That's true. Yeah, you're right about that. The bimbo has a uh, connotation of stupidity to it as well. Yeah. And blondness, usually. Okay. And large breasts. All those go together. Well, now you're starting to pique my interest. <laughs> <laughs> Continue to describe this. <laughs> this hypothetical. Well, and they're really, really bouncy. Yep, that's yeah. right. Uh, but yeah, this... So, this show is not good. No. I mean, it was kind of cute. I thought you liked the show. I liked a couple of episodes or whatever, but... Uh. The, what I don't like... Sue, all these shows, they're starting to have just a sameness. Yeah. To them. Whether it's Everybody Loves Raymond or this or the Drew Carey show. Well, you know what the sameness is? They're stand-up comedians. Yeah. Yeah. They're stand-up comedians in either work or family situations. This one has both. It's like, this one's like a cross between the Drew Carey show and uh, Everybody Everybody Loves Loves Raymond. Raymond. Because he's got the family dynamic and the family stuff. Him and John Cusack's sister are married. <laughs> Did you notice that? That's Anne no. Cusack, uh, John Cusack's older sister. But that's cool to know. And he's got two kids, one played by some little kid that, that has no... Like, his name is Jonathan Lipnicki, but he doesn't speak at all in the entire episode. That's not true. I, didn't, I don't think he said a word, Carol. He did. What did he say? They were talking on the, you know, walkie-talkie to their friend. That was the other one. The His older son, who, who's, ah, uh, it's a weird name, Haley Joel Osmet. Okay. He's the one that did most of the talking. The little, the little one didn't seem to talk at all. Now I wish that we could see it again, because I feel like you're wrong, but I can't prove it. Of course I am. But anyway, so he's <laughs> got that family dynamic, and then he's also at work with a bunch of idiots. And I think he, he, he's a dispatcher for trucking or something. I don't know what he's doing. Yeah, I never really figured out what the fuck they do at this place. But he's got, so he's got a boss that's kind of wacky, like on the, the Drew Carey show. And then he's got the family dynamic, and that's also wacky, like on Everybody Loves Raymond. And like I said, it just, it, I like Everybody Loves Raymond. That's a show we've continued to watch. Yeah. Because the secondary characters really and i think ray romano's funny ish but the secondary characters make up the show they the dad the mom the brother even the, his wife who doesn't get quite as much comedic meat to work with mm-hmm. but they all they're all very good performers and it's it's tightly written it's a pretty good show i like it even though ratings wise it's not doing well oh that sucks i hope it doesn't get canceled yeah, that's my fear is that they're going to cancel it and keep something like this on the air. Ugh. But, you know, that so there are things that I think set that apart, make it a little bit better. And then the Drew Carey show, I think Drew Carey, there are other people like Ryan Stiles uh, from Whose Line Is It Anyway, a British improv show uh, that I watch on Comedy Central sometimes. He's very good in it. And 
that Diedrich Bader is also pretty good in it, and the the girl that's his friend is also pretty good in it. So the whole cast is but, pretty good in but it. But Drew, why well, don't the Mimi character? Is, I could take her leave. Okay, but Drew Carey, I was I was just giving them props in preparation of saying Drew Carey really carries that show. He's very funny. He's really good as a comedic actor. Yeah. And he's a big strength of that show. So those two shows have something going for him, but there's a lot of these, I'm a stand-up comedian, just give me a show. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I just, I'm starting to get bogged down by just the sameness of everything. And there was, like, there was nothing spectacular about his family life. I mean, those two kids seem like they're good actors, I guess. I mean, they're cute, whatever. Um, but, yeah, there was just... He talked about snacks. The kid had snacks in his sleeping bag, and he, like, oh, yeah. flipped it open and said, said, let the snacking begin, or something like okay, that. Okay, well, there you ah. go. <laughs> this is the Prove Mark Wrong episode. <laughs> it's the Prove Mark just, Wrong day. Just, Let's be honest here. We're just trying to... Oh, okay, you didn't want to bring them into our lives last time. Now, all of a sudden... Every detail of everything that we do throughout the day, you want you want them to be privy to. Yeah, I was wrong. Yes, he was. I was wrong earlier today. And now I get a full body massage. Yeah, well, I got the last one. So. Yeah, you got the last, like, five. So I deserved one. Yeah, you do. You deserve one. So. I'll give you a full body massage. Yay. But yeah, did, I mean, did you find anything interesting about this show? Mm, only the idea... That his father could ride a tractor from his own house to his son's house. With no clothes, just underwear on. Yeah, apparently he'd done it naked before. Yeah, everyone's like, oh, he's underwear, classy, classy move. Yeah, so apparently, like, living in the South means you can get away with bullshit. I don't know. That's the thing is, that's what I don't, like, so I don't mind that Jeff Fox was he's from the South. And I don't mind that he brings par- that personality into his stand-up. He should. But I don't... The whole, like, if you watch TV and you're lawn, you might be a redneck. You know, like that kind of thing. Uh-huh. I just think it's dumb. It's it's such a lazy gimmick to to fall down on. I think if it's If you funny. pick up women at your... Your family reunion. You might be a redneck. All that stuff. Yeah. I told you before that I I, I basically just parried it and parodied it. <laughs> you did what now? Made fun of him. Is it fencing time? Parry. Wow. <laughs> Touche, girl. Touche. Exactly. Uh, but whereas like... If you worship Queen Kamala Mala, you might be Polynesian. Uh-huh. If you run in terror from vol- active volcanoes, you might be Polynesian. If you haven't showered in three or more days, you might play Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, my God. See, yeah, you could do it with anything. That's what I'm saying. If you walk around with a bag with assorted dice, <laughs> you might play. See, and that's the thing. It's like, it's the laziest kind of just like, let's point out uh, some 
trope about this group of people. Right. That's why. That's why I just, I just don't like it. Okay. Sorry. Sorry, everybody. Well, you should be. Get with the program, Mark. But you like this redneck stuff. I, I I do, and I don't hate the show or anything, but this episode just wasn't particularly entertaining. To be fair, there's really nothing rednecky about the show. Yeah. I, mean, I think it takes place in the South, but other than that, it's not like it's redneck hour. It has to have taken place in the South, or again, he wouldn't be riding a lawnmower from one house <laughs> to the next. It's not hee-haw. What's hee-haw? Hee-haw was a variety show in the 70s. Oh, okay. was, It was like, it was like laughing or something like that, but it was rednecky. They had, I think they had comedians coming out of a corn, like a cornfield to tell jokes. Just like popping up and being like, <laughs> and then they had the Hooter girls or something like that. I don't remember. There were, there were just girls that danced around. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Talk about bimbos. <laughs> but I guess you can't be Southern and be a bimbo, right? That's a specifically Northern thing, isn't it? I, I don't know. Why would you think that? I've never really heard of a Southern bimbo. Oh, I have. Would you like some mint julep? I could picture a Southern bimbo. Yeah, describe her for me. <laughs> um, But what we will describe for you now is the movie watched today, Carol. We watched Dear God. We we did. We watched it. And I, I'll tell you what, I did not see George Burns in this movie at all. What? He was in a movie called Oh God. Uh, and then Oh God, You Devil, where he played both the God and Devil. Interesting. Yeah. So yeah, this show... Greg uh, Kinnear is no George Burns. No. Or this movie, not Joe. This movie... Everything's a show to you now, isn't it? Everything. Somewhere in time, this movie we saw, I assume other things. So this movie yeah. seems like it's going to be some kind of like feel-good, heartwarming movie, yeah, and I don't really of. feel like it was so much. Really? I mean, I guess it kind of became that, but I mean, like the main character is a sleazebag. Yeah, so I like Greg Kinnear a lot, actually. Okay. Because I used to watch a program that's still on the air called Talk Soup. Mm-hmm. And he was the original host of that. Okay. And when he announced that he was leaving, I was like, oh, no, don't leave. And then John Henson came in to replace him. And John, I like John Henson maybe even more. On that show, but I like Greg Kinnear quite a bit, and he he's pretty good in this. He's very, I think he's very good at playing a sleaze ball with a heart of gold. Like you can really, I think he's charming enough that he pulls off the character of, you know, he's really fucking people out of their money. Yeah, but you still got to root for him. Uh, um, no. I mean... (laughs) (laughs) Okay, forget what I just said. Like, in the beginning, when he really is fucking people out of their money, I was not rooting for him. I mean, it was like, ha ha ha, you're gonna get fucking (laughs) harassed, and you should. Wow. (laughs) You didn't think so? Ha ha ha, no, I didn't think think that, no. (laughs) Speaking of ha ha ha, there was a lot of stand-up comedians in this. 
Yeah. Larry, Larry, uh, what's his name? Larry Miller, who is pretty funny, was the the judge. Okay. And John Panette was the crime boss or whatever. John Panette? Yeah, he's a big fat guy. He, right. He's famous for saying, like, talking about how he went to, like, a Chinese buffet and he ate so much food they kicked him out or whatever. That he, happened to a friend of mine. He did this thing where he's like, uh, he's like, no, no more, no more for you, no more food for you, you know, or something like that. You get out. No, but you, you never come back. Now it makes me question the validity of my friend's statement. Why? Because you think, uh,. He just got it from the jump. Yeah, maybe he just heard it and thought it was funny, and he's a big dude, so he's like, hey, I can make this joke. Yeah, maybe. Or maybe it really happens, and that's where the joke came from. Well, maybe that's... Chicken or egg. Also a possibility. <laughs> but yeah, so there's a lot of stand-up comedians. Another thing I thought was funny is, and I don't know if it's because Greg Kinnear comes from TV, but at the beginning of the movie, like you were talking about, there's a parade... And there's just a cavalcade of TV stars from mm-hmm. from days gone. Like there's Tony Danza's there and Laverne and Shirley there. And well, I think it's just like they're highlighting that this is taking place in Hollywood or whatever. Yeah, maybe. And they also, also part, partially it might be because Gary Marshall, famous creator of Happy Days and other television shows, mm-hmm. uh, also directed this movie. Okay. So, could be part of it too. Um, but yeah, at one point, that's, that's one thing that I think is funny. He gets arrested, as you said, for scamming people and it's the Larry, Larry uh, Miller tells him that it's either jail or he gets a job. He he wants to teach him the value of actually working for a living. So he tells him he needs to get a job. He ends up getting a job because Timothy Stack, his, uh, his cousin gets him a job at the post office, but Everyone knows this. He goes to this coffee shop, and the the his love interest knows it. <laughs> yeah, the girl from Bye Bye Love, by the way, Kim from Bye Bye Love with yeah. dark hair. It was so weird to see her with dark hair. Like I did not recognize her right away. But she knows it, and one of the other guys that works there knows it. And he just go, comes up to random people in the coffee house, and they're like, "Yeah, we we yeah we heard about it." That's like, yeah, word travels fast in in this. Sleepy small little town of Los Angeles, California. <laughs> like, what the fuck? What I thought was ridiculous was in the courtroom when the judge is like, well, it's either jail or getting a job. And he's like, uh, jail or what? Like, as though getting a job was so ridiculous he couldn't even fathom it. And it sounds like he never had one. That was the joke. How how do you live to be an adult person and never have a job? I don't know. Maybe Rue McClanahan took care of him for a while until she became blind. Who? What? His mom, played by Golden Girl Rue McClanahan. Which well, Golden Girl? Blanche. Okay, well, I didn't know. You didn't recognize Blanche Devereaux? Uh, no. All right, well, that was his mom. Okay. Playing with Braille cards. <laughs> and Coolio has a has a cameo on this yeah, for some reason. That was weird. And, like, the blind lady feels up his face. Yep. As part of a joke. That's right. Why are you doing this? You you correctly identified that that was a joke. Stop looking at me. You making fun of me now? You're so weird. Anyway. So, the film is, I think, is 
adeptly directed. Gary Marshall's a good director. And I think it's it's well directed. It's competent. There's nothing there's nothing groundbreaking going on here. Yeah, but there's nothing groundbreaking going on here. So it's kinda boring. Yeah, it's pretty standard direction. You know, there's the I can't really say anything about it. It's almost like T V lighting. It's pretty flat, everything's I mean, it's not terrible. There's depth of field, but it's not like everything's just really standard. It's really all the technical parts of it are well handled, but nothing spectacular. It's not. I would say it's not incredibly visually interesting. The movie, or you know, storyline interesting. Well, and that's the other thing too. I've never seen a protagonist fight so hard against the premise of his movie. Yeah. At the beginning, he gets a job at the post office. And they're sorting letters to to different people, right? No, not different people. Different figments of people's imaginations. There's the Easter Bunny and the uh-huh. Tooth Fairy and Santa Claus and God. And first of all... Well, Santa is real for, for all the, the kids listening out there. Santa Claus is, of course, real. Of course. And you, and but now, so is God. Well, now you're alleging that God's not real. No, I'm saying I think it's offensive to put God in the same category as those other figures. I think what they have in common is that their mail is undeliverable. You can't deliver money. You can't deliver mail to the Easter Bunny. And you also cannot deliver mail to God. And but, since it's the dead letter office... I think the common denominator is that they're undeliverable. Okay, fine. Whatever. Whatever. I derailed her, everybody, from from being offended for no reason. (laughs) So he decides to open one of the Dear God letters. Which is apparently a federal offense, which I think is ridiculous because, like, it's not like God was ever going to get this letter. Yeah. Yeah, like... They're in now, I, I guess because it's a criminal offense or whatever, that's why. But from a civil stand, like standpoint, there's no one, like there's no injured party, mm-hmm. so there's no other side. So, you, like you would think that there'd be no reason to sue because there is no in. Who's the injured party? Right. God's not going to be like, hey, that was my fucking mail. And the person ends up benefiting anyway mm-hmm. because what he does is he. Well, he accidentally Yeah, the does first this. one he accidentally helps, but you know, he ends up answering the letters, but the first one he accidentally puts his first paycheck, which was an envelope of cash, which like I'm sorry, is this 1978 because I don't get paid with envelopes of cash. And if this job is under the table, then does it's it the count? It's the post office. It's definitely not under the table. But he didn't have to go through all the stuff. Like his cousin said, oh, you don't have to go through, you know, all the steps to get here. I just got you in. It seemed underhanded and shady to begin with. Well, it wasn't. He even mentions all the taxes that they took out. Of the cash. No, I think he... So, it's glossed over, but I'm pretty sure he got his paycheck and then cashed it. At work. Maybe. I don't know. But Hector Elizondo, he, he has a bit in the... In the movie where he disappears, like someone will turn their head for a second, then he's just gone. Right. But 
he says to him, did you have time to get it cashed? And he was like, oh, yeah, it wasn't not as big as I thought it was Oh, be yeah. Done. Okay. But anyway, so, yeah, he accidentally puts his... See, he he gets caught stealing. And to cover his ass, he's like, oh, I was just going to return this to somebody that wrote that needed money from a fucking hotel or... Not a hotel, an apartment. Yeah. They were on renter's strike from a an apartment building because their apartment's falling apart and the landlord's not doing anything. Yeah, they don't have any hot water and, like, the window's broken and all this shit. But anyway, he gives her money and it turns out good for her, for them. And then, uh, what's her name? Lori Metcalf from Roseanne comes up to him because she works there, too. Yeah, she's crazy. She is very good in this movie, though. Yeah. I think she's, she is, like, a comic genius. She's another one where she's really good. Yeah, I mean, she did a good job. And, I mean, I guess he did too, but I don't know what it is about this movie. Yeah, okay, you can tell me a hundred things that are good about it. I didn't enjoy it. It seemed really slow. It is kind of the beige wallpaper of a movie. (laughs) It's not great. But she she tries to convince him to help her... uh, this little girl's going to die, and all she wants to do is ride a horse. And he's like, I don't want to do it. And he, he resists it. Then, coincidentally, he happens to be where she's at. Mm, and then, coincidentally or on purpose? I don't, I don't know. There's no real hint that it's on purpose. But, I mean, if we're supposed to believe that he's actually all tenderhearted, then maybe he wanted to like see and make sure it went well. Maybe. Maybe he did. Maybe he followed them. I don't know. Maybe he was stalking them. (laughs) He was certainly stalking that girl and her kid. Yeah, that was weird. But, so, he helps out, right? And she's like, yay, we did it. Now, let's do it again. And he's like, no. (laughs) Like I said, he's, I've never seen, it's probably 40 minutes into the movie till he starts to actually say, till till the movie actually starts to dear God. Right. And then people realize that their letters to God are getting answered, so they start, like, getting a bunch of mail. And then everybody starts helping everyone else, and all a bunch of optimistic bullshit that would never happen in real life. Right. I mean, it's fine until the Postmaster General or whatever... Played by director Gary Marshall. ...decides that... He's going to enforce that this is a felony, you know, crime that they've uh, tampered with the mail. It makes not a lot of sense. And then the dude who's supposed to retire just turns himself in like, oh, it was me. And it wasn't even him. He didn't turn himself in. They caught because he forged. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I love how you're like, this movie sucks. Now, let me get every detail about it. Incorrect. Hey, now. Fuck off. (laughs) <laughs> wow. <laughs> no, it's not. Here's the thing. Greg, I think Greg Kinnear is perfectly cast in this movie. I think he's really good in this movie. I think he's a good actor. I hope he goes on to do better things in this movie. I think that Laurie Metcalf's really good in this movie. And that's about it. I mean, Tim Conway's in it. And he's playing his Tim Conway self where he's like, ah, I'm crazy. You know, like crazy old man. Because that's Tim Conway, right? Right. Dorf on golf himself. Oh, you've never seen Dorf, Carol? I've never seen or heard of Dorf. Oh, he makes VHS tapes of, of golfing instructional videos. But it's Tim. What the 
Yeah, fuck? but listen, but it's Tim Conway on his knees with a pair of shoes well, on. Well, now. With... Well, I'm sorry. What do you expect me to do with that? That's what Tim Conway says. <laughs> but he's on his knees with shoes on his knees. So he looks like a, a little person. Okay. That's the joke. He's dressed up like a golfer, but he looks like a little person. He's like, now here's how you golf. And, you know, it's all this this physical comedy based on the fact mm-hmm. that he's a little person. It's what they call the height of comedy. <laughs> oh, okay. It's re- some real lowbrow shit. Right. But anyway, so that's what he does with his life. Um, and yeah, he's not, I mean, he's fine in the movie, but I, I don't love him in the movie and everyone else is just whatever. Yeah. I mean, there's like you said, there's just nothing that stands out. The courtroom scene when he and Laurie Metcalf, when Greg Kinnear and Laurie Metcalf are together at the table, that's the funniest stuff. The two of them just interacting with each other. That's the funniest stuff. I think the biggest, so we don't, we don't talk, we don't talk about straight comedies a ton. Right. Just like, just, you know, like just straight up comedies. We don't talk about that a ton because it's, it's hard to review a comedy movie because really what it comes down to is it was funny or it just wasn't funny. And this movie's just not funny. Yeah. That's the that's the big problem with it. It would be better if it were funnier. And it's there's no there's no big like comedy set pieces, I guess. That's kind of a term they use for action movies where they have like a big set piece where they something like fantastical happens, right? Like uh I don't know, a big car crash or like a big plane crash or something like that or or some kind of stunt, you know, like they call that a set piece. Okay. And I'm, I'm, you know, moving it over to comedy. There's no big comedy set pieces where, like, this big comedy thing happens, whether it's either action-packed or just, like, very funny. None, none of that happens, and, and it's just kind of, it's a, it's a series of low-frequency jokes. You know what I mean? Where it's like... It's sort of funny, but it's not super funny. Right. Yeah, I, I I see that. I mean, it's not even, to me, like uh, low-frequency jokes. It's a lot of just it's a, uh, it's a, boringness. Uh, what? It's a flat line, huh? Just uh-huh. Kind of the whole time. I was just bored, so bored. Well, you were falling asleep in the theater. Shh. It was supposed to be our secret. <laughs> How uh, how do they resolve the uh, the end of the movie there? <laughs> oh, he gets found not guilty because every all the mail trucks in Los Angeles come to the courthouse and start honking their horns and saying, you know, let him go or we're not fucking delivering the mail. Yeah, that's that's ridiculous. And prior to that, the retired dude, like, you want your Sears catalog. When um, our main character turns himself in instead. Gregory Kinnear. They're just like, oh, yeah, he got to uh, you oh, know, yeah. retire with his pension and everything. There like, was there was a lot of exposition 
via the news. Yeah. Which was ridiculous. Like, it got... I think it's... Maybe it's intentional. If it's intentional, it's pretty brilliant. But I think it's unintentional, really, where they're like... Oh yeah, he's oh he's he's been let go and he's got his full pension now. It's like why the fuck would they know or care <laughs> about that? Right. And then later when Tim Conway Tim Conway has a backstory about where he used to have a, a route and he bit a dog, I guess, because he lost That's ridiculous. He yeah. lost his mind. <laughs> and he gets his route back at the end of the movie. And the news is like uh, yeah, so Greg Kinnear got let go, and uh, Tim Conway also got his old rod back. And it's like, what the fuck? Why do you care, news? Like, no one, no one in the in the in the actual real the world that they've created here, no one that's watching the news cares about that. Right. Only we care about it as the audience because we've watched his character. But I didn't. That that to me is a problem. Well, yeah, I also didn't care about it either. But and and you're like, supposed to care about it. If he really bit a dog and he was sent to you know undeliverable mail because of that, then why are they letting him back? Yeah, I don't know. Like he's gonna you know go postal. They do mention they do mention that kind of the the whole thing where. Where the the term going postal right. came from, how the post office workers were going nuts and killing people at work. Well, I think it's funny that Lori Metcalf too was so stressed out from being a lawyer that instead she switched to being a mail person. Yeah, and she just does pro bono lawyer work. And it's like, really, is that the job? Is that the job you pick to calm down and relax? So, you know, it doesn't seem like a smart move. I love the the Seinfeld joke about it is much funnier. Hmm. Where they, because Newman talks about how, like, sometimes they snap or whatever, postal workers, and Jerry's like, yeah, why does that happen? And he goes, because the mail never stops. It just <laughs> keeps coming. The more you get out, the more that comes. And he's like, and he's just going nuts, and he's like, oh, God. <laughs> it's just, it's it's a lot funnier. I can relate to that. No, can you? Because of yeah. a, being a male person? No, but the kind of work that I do is like that, where it never stops. Yeah, that's true. Dealing with me. <laughs> yeah, it definitely never stops. But yeah, I... So I'm, I'm guessing you don't recommend this. No. I mean, if you really want to see it, rent it. Don't waste your money going to the movies. I would say standout performance from Greg Kinnear, standout performance from Laurie Metcalf, but other than that, it's it's pretty bland. Yeah, it's it's. I would say I would also reluctantly say that you can give it a pass. Uh, but I would probably rent it. I don't know. You don't need to see it. You really, if you don't, if you don't see it, you're not missing a lot. No, I have to say that. And and you know what? Next week we're we're watching uh, Romeo plus Juliet. Yeah, and. Um, I just wanted to throw that out there because I'm super excited. Why? And I wasn't excited to see this, but I'm excited to see Romeo plus Juliet. Why? Because yeah. it looks cool. Have you not seen the ads? The trailer? Yeah. They well, they played a tra- they played a trailer for it at the beginning of this movie, mm-hmm. the Dear God movie. Obviously, I guess that's what you're referencing. And um, I've seen yeah, I've seen some TV ads and stuff like that. It looks. Whatever it looks, whatever. I mean, it's so it's it's 
another yet another adaptation of Romeo and Juliet, but this time it's like, oh, we got we got guns we're holding sideways. We'll, we'll talk about it next week, but I'm just saying, like, at least I'm excited. I know to see you. Something. I know you think it's going to be good. Yeah. I, I'm. I'm. I don't know. I, obviously, I can't judge until we watch it, but I'm like, yeah, whatever. I I am walking in prejudging that it's going to be awesome. Hopefully, I'm not disappointed. Yeah, I was going to say that's a recipe to be disappointed, right. Carol. Anyway, uh, but that's our show for the week, Carol. Let let's go. <laughs> go ahead and write us at late v nineteen ninety four. At if you were on the fence, there, just go ahead and write <laughs> yeah, us. Just do it. Um, and check out our website, www.retrolatefee.com, mm-hmm. and share our tapes with all your friends. That's right. And if you want to, uh, like I, I told you before, go to, my, my buddy came up with that, that site, Patreon. Uh, so go to patreon.com slash retro We're the only ones there. And, uh, you know, give us uh, some money and then, then you can see. Some extra stuff. Check out the extra tapes we And made. early stuff and all that stuff. Yeah. All right. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.